Hello everybody, my name is Landon Arenas. Thanks for listening to episode 184 of the Vortex Apologetic Podcast. Welcome to the Vortex Apologetic, where substance reigns over mindless entertainment. Because biblical truth matters in a profound, timely, and urgent way in a lost and dying world. And now, introducing your humble servants in Jesus Christ, Ricardo, aka Beef, Arenas, and Jeff, the Brain, Claiborne. Father, thank you for this opportunity to come uh, together with my brother uh, on opposite ends of the country, and the opportunity to talk once again about things happening in our world today in relation to biblical view of them, in relation to scripture and help us to um, relay this information to our audience. I pray it would be a blessing to them. Help us to stay true to your word. Help us to stay true to the pure, clear doctrines of the word and uh, the revelation that you've given us through it. And I just pray, Father, that uh, uh, we would glorify you and give you honor in what we do. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, brother. What hey, is going on? Uh, things well, on your side of the world. Well, the, uh, we haven't blown up yet, so we're still here. So I see. So I shot any nukes off or anything, and you know. So I think uh, I think we're doing okay for right now. Yeah, yeah. Same thing here. We yeah, in, uh, California hasn't you know split away from the nation, so we're still good. You know. Well, that, I think metaphorically it may have, but uh, not physically, right? Exactly, right, right, exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> maybe, maybe in spirit, it's it's <laughs> separated out, but. <laughs> oh yeah, in spirit. I mean, we dropped down way down there. <laughs> yeah. Now, are you looking around, going, "Where did all the conservatives go?" <laughs> I am telling you. It's like every election from now on, it's like, I'm not voting because, you know, it's going to be quite the change. I'm just voting because it's like, that's what we do. But I really expect that all the stinking, uh, you know, uh, laws and everything get passed because it's like, we're not going to win. (laughs) Well, remember, ballot harvest, drop it off at your local church. Let them dump it on on election day. Yeah, 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 exactly. Uh, Yeah. So it's legal. (laughs) <laughs> oh, I know. Yeah. Well, talking about that, you've been keeping up a little bit with, uh, I'm sure, with uh, Trump and all that good stuff that's taking place. Somewhat. Somewhat. What's yeah, the somewhat. latest that you've heard? Trump's going around giving speeches and, oh, uh, John F. Kennedy, uh, no, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. entered the race on the Democrat side. Really? Yeah. Hmm. You remember okay. he he was the one who wrote the real Anthony Fauci. Yeah. He yeah. wrote that book. And he, he skewed he skewered Fauci, barbecued him. Yeah. Right. Um, and so uh that's interesting because I think uh, I wonder if he would be able to knock Biden off in the primaries. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And uh so I and you know, Robert F. Jr is 
uh, a liberal in the in the sense of um, the John F. Kennedy days. In the sense, uh, I guess today a liberal would call him a conservative. But back in those yeah. days, in the early '60s, he would have been considered a liberal. Uh, right. What, what would I guess what you would call a classical liberal, where he actually mm, he actually right. believes he actually believes in the Constitution. Right. You know. Right. Yeah, and he doesn't want to trash it. But yeah, so it should be interesting. It should be an interesting race coming up. Um, <laughs> we'll see. But I, I just wonder when they're going to stop sending out the body double for Biden. We actually see the real Biden come out. Mm. Or is that CGI? What is that? I don't well, know. You know, it could be. I mean, AI is, uh, you know, way, way in adv advance that it you know, really they can, is. They can make anything look pretty real. So, you they, know, they can. And that's why you can't believe anything you see in video anymore. That's why you can't believe anything you see in the news. They, they can make all of it up. That is very true. And, and make it look very real. You know, I would suggest, folks, if you know somebody in a foreign country, call them and ask them what's going on in their neck of the woods. Mm. And stop, stop depending on the news to tell you because... They're really trying to stir up war between Ukraine and Taiwan, mm. the Russians and the Chinese, and now the Americans getting the Seventh Fleet rolling. Seventh Fleet, I should have said, uh, rolling uh, in the Pacific Theater. Um, you know, they're heating things up. But how much of it is just theater and how much of it is real, nobody really knows. Yeah, right. You know, and so I don't spend a whole lot of time on the news. I spend enough time on the news to stay informed. Actually, I've, I started, I started uh, trying to pay attention to local news because there was a shooting with the sheriff's department out here, mm. and our daughter complained to us recently. She says all the other deputies were getting texts from their families, asked if they're okay, but did did. Our family do that? No, I didn't get anything. <laughs> and, my, and my son smartly said, oh, well, we, we just knew that you were so good at your job that we weren't concerned about it. We knew you would handle yourself. And she's like, yeah, right. Yeah, right. I mean, that sounds yeah. like an answer I would give. Well, you know, we're right. sure you're, you're going to be just fine. You know? Yeah. <laughs> then he says, well, so we all said, well, next time just text us, let us know that there was an incident and then we'll text you back and ask you if you're okay. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Hey, we're just terrible. <laughs> oh, I, okay, man. I better pay attention to local news because we none of us knew. None of us knew. Oh, that's hilarious. So <laughs> you know what? That sounds a little yeah. bit like a like a, a, a gamble fumble. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the gambles always talking about they're like the last ones to know things or like, oh yeah, this happened in the family. Oh yeah, we just recently found out about it. Or yeah, well, you know, that's it's me. like. <laughs> That's me, brother. I don't. I could care less about the news anymore because most of it's fake. Most yeah, it's unfortunately, we live in people, a world where news is not news anymore, bro. It's not. It's 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 propaganda. It's mind control. It's yeah. you know, it's trying to keep people angry. It's trying to stir people up for an agenda. I mean, it's just all garbage. You know, it yeah. really is. So, um, with that in mind, if if you look at Everything that's going on in the world mm -hmm. with uh, Ukraine, Taiwan, Seventh Fleet, 
Uh, you've got the banks failing, uh, supposedly. Uh, you've got, you know, they're talking about another pandem- pandemic coming up. They're trying to push that again. Right. Uh, they want to shut everybody down again. AI, um, they want to, of course, they're trying to end cash, right? So they right. can control money. They're trying to do a social uh, credit score around the world, or, you know, they really want to push it here heavily. Um, 15 minute or 15 uh, mile zones and cities trying to push everybody in, you know, squeeze everybody into 15 mile zones. Um, all of these different agendas that they're pushing, well, a lot of them are failing. But um, when you look at all that, you, and oh, and, and of course, the transgender thing, I mean, my goodness, the list is a mile long mm. of the nuttiness, the craziness that's going on in the world today, uh, which is not anything unique because, you know, there's been other times when craziness has gone on in the world. God flooded the entire world at one point to get rid of all the craziness. <laughs> yep. um, what What is happening I mean, what really is happening? I, w- I want to bring out um, Hebrews chapter 12. And listen carefully, brother. I want to get your thoughts on this after okay. I've read it. Let me get on that. Hebrews chapter 12. Yeah, and we'll, we'll begin with verse 24. Sounds good, brother. Yeah. I can mention Antifa, BLM. Anyway, it, it goes on. <laughs> so, right. beginning at verse 24. If my voice holds out. Okay. And to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of the sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel, see that you refuse not him that speaks. For if they escaped not who refused him that spake on earth, much more shall not we escape. If we turn away from him that speaks from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth. But now he has promised, saying, Yet once more, I shake not the earth only, but also heaven. And this word, yet once more, signifieth the removing of those things that are shaken, as of things that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. And the theme here is that God is shaking the nations Um and there's, there's a reason for it. Um, mm. Get your thoughts on that for just a moment. Uh, most definitely. So in this context of Hebrews, obviously we're looking, he's talking about the unshakable kingdom that is about to come to that generation there. Right. Is explaining, hey, I will shake things up. When mm-hmm. I shake things up, the things of old, and that's why he points to Abel, those sacrifices, those blood sacrifices, I, sh- I shake them up because there's going to be not there anymore. The right. new, because the new is coming. The new kingdom right. is formed. It's coming from heaven where both heaven and earth, you know, uh, when those things that are shaken 
you know, they're shaking for good reason because that's going to be coming to play now, the new kingdom, which is won't be, it will be unshakable. And these are the things that he's telling his people to focus on, to put their trust in. And to us, brother, you know, the church, the new covenant, the church is talking right. about us. Right. The unshakable kingdom is the church. Mm-hmm. It's, it's today. And uh, but the, the, um, he shook up, he shook the old covenant mm-hmm. loose, right? Right. And he shook the nation of Israel. He shook Jerusalem. He, he the, the temple went down in eighty seventy. He destroyed the temple in eighty seventy using the Roman army, and that was the last remnant of the old covenant going by. Mm-hmm. And yes. and the new covenant was consummated fully. It came into its fullness at that point in time. There was a transition period from the time of John the Baptist to the to the um, uh, destruction of the temple in AD 70. So you had the kind of a parallel running of the new covenant starting up and the old covenant slowly dying over that period of time. Um, and so God, it's not uncommon uh, language in the Bible for God to shake things up, to shake nations, to say, shake things loose. And you know, when God shakes the house, the rats start scurrying, mm. right? Mm-hmm. So, in relation, now we know that that occurred at that time, and that's a reference to what was happening at that time, and that that did happen to that generation. And, uh, and he and he, the kingdom that w- could not be shaken was the church. The church stood strong through all of that. Amen. But it's a principle which we have seen throughout Scripture. There are numerous places in the Old Covenant books where God shakes things up. He shakes nations. He, you know, he does this, and we've seen times in in history since the consummation of the new covenant where God has shaken nations and he's shaken the world and he shook things up. And um, so we know there's a purpose behind that. And I was, why I was listening to um, Doug Wilson, Mm. Moscow, Moscow, Idaho pastor up there. And he was talking with uh, James White and they were talking eschatology and uh, James White was talking about how he had, changed his eschatological view, the mm-hmm. view of the end times, and it matches up with Doug Wilson now and uh, with R.C. Sproul and what they believed. Yeah, um, more and, par- partial, right? Partial preterism, yeah. yeah. And, well, he moved He moved in that direction, though, from, from pre-millennial. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, and which is the trick most of us make, right? <laughs> but, <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> but. Um, he, uh, but the point that um, Doug Wilson was making, which I thought was an outstanding point, is that uh, God is shaking the world right now, and He's getting rid of the uh, of the of uh, the uh, dead wood, the rift wood. You know, mm-hmm. He's He's getting rid of the dead wood, and He's He's shaking things up so that the rats will scurry. You know, so that right. the the fake Christians will scurry. Um, the fake pastors will will be revealed. They'll be shown, you know, wide out in the open. The, the light of Christ will shine upon them, and they'll be seen for what they are. And that's exactly what's happening now. 
And, you know, of course, the transgenders are coming out. And God is exposing them for what they are. He is really, really shaking things up right now. And Doug Wilson's point is, look, we can't take a short-term view of what's going on in the world today. We need to take a long-term view. Because if you take a short-term view, you're going to think that every everything is about to just go to go to you know Hades in a handbasket, right? But but the reality is, when you take a long-term view, what you see is what what is the same thing that was happening that of what we read here in Hebrews 12. Same thing that happened in the first century. God shook everything up, and everything looked very very chaotic. But because God shook it up, that gave the church strength and power to carry on the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. And and so Doug's theory was that that's what's God that that's exactly what God is doing today. He's shaking things up. He's shaking the world so that the church will be stronger and continue to carry forward the kingdom of God. That's a great point, brother. Absolutely. And I was going to say, uh, and I was going to, in a sarcastic way, go, are you saying, brother, that God's shaking up the nations right now because he's, you know, separating, let's use sheeps and the goats, meaning he's pointing yeah. those that are still yet to be saved to the church, to the spiritual renewal, and those that are not part of it, you know, get scared and run away. You know, until they're either called or, you know. So. Well, when it's when it's not uh, popular, convenient, or profitable anymore, the yeah, exactly what happens. They scurry out and they they go somewhere else. They'll run to the liberal churches. They'll right. you know they'll run to the world. They'll they'll do whatever, but uh, they won't stay with good, solid Bible believing, strong doctrine churches. Yeah, absolutely. Looking back at uh, verse 27 of Hebrews 12, I love when it says the this expression, it says yet once more, uh, and at least in the NASB, it says uh, denotes the removing of those things which can be shaken. Obviously, we're talking old covenant uh, things, you know, that are were still created by men, um, right. you know, so that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. And that's the spiritual uh, aspect of the new covenant. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. And then it says 28, therefore, since we receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us show gratitude by which we may offer to God an acceptable service with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. And I think part of that shaking, it's God being a consuming fire. He's refining, you know, uh, his people, you know, the church. Hey, come on, church. You're victorious. Look to to, you know, uh, to Christ. Look to your savior. You know, continue the work that you're put on here in the sort four, you know, right. uh, and then those that are going to kind of fall away, you know, it's that's who's being it's being shaken because there's being we're being separated. Right. The true right. church is becoming, you know, uh, it's getting it's growing in the numbers It's getting even more stronger to where the non-believers, like you said, are being exposed are dropping like flies, you right. know, not staying around. So no. that's a. Uh, I thought that was no. actually uh, of great uh, knowledge and value there because, you know, that mm-hmm. took place in their generation. It's still true today for our generation. You apply it directly as in, look, we are in a new covenant. These right. things are happening. And guess what? God continues to shake and continue to bring judgment. 
Right. Right. Now, most Christians don't see it this way, mm. what we just talked about. They they see it as, well, this is the end times and everything's just going to fall apart. And we're going to be rescued. Great point. Out. You're right, because everything you know. points to what? The end times, the last days, the end According of the world. The, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Know? I mean, you could you could make a case for that. If you're trying to take the news and apply it for, to a prophecy in the Bible, it's it's not that hard to come up with that. Mm-hmm. But that's been predicted since the second century, right? Yep. Around 1000 AD, it, 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 there was a fever increase of it, died down for a while, then it hit back again. I mean, it, it hit and it, it go. It's like peaks and valleys. You know, you have times when everybody's got a fever for second coming, and it valleys out, then it peaks, and it valleys out. And it's been doing that for 2,000 years. And the problem is they're associating the signs of the times out of the Olivet Discourse, mm-hmm. Matthew 24, Luke 21, Mark 13, with their their generation, current day and all that. Uh, but then we run into, of course, you and I know from the timing statements, um, it was first century. Yeah. And that's why second century up, everybody kept missing it because they missed the first century. And mm-hmm. that it was first century when all that occurred. And then we read this. This is out of uh, Luke 17. Did you want mm-hmm. to jump in there, brother? Yeah, let's do it. Luke 17 and start verse 20. Go for it, brother. And when he was demanded of the Pharisees, talking about he, Jesus Christ, was demanded of the Pharisees, when the kingdom of God should come. So they're asking him, when's this kingdom of God going to show up? Mm-hmm. Now, Christians should be waiting with bated breath right now to hear the answer, right? Because right. isn't that the big question right now? That everybody is asking, when's the kingdom going to come? Because they're associating the kingdom with a future millennial reign, right? Right. Right. But here's how Christ answered it. He answered them and said, the kingdom of God comes not with observation. So if you're looking for signs of the time, Christ said it doesn't come with observation. Neither shall they say, lo here or lo there, for behold, the kingdom of God is within you. Mm. That was a rebel statement because they were not expecting that. No. Even, Even if, you know, let's say even if they accepted that he was the Messiah. Okay, he's the Messiah. But he said something like that because they were expecting physical things. Mm-hmm. They would have even knocked them out at that time and go, no, wait a minute. We made a mistake. You're not the Messiah. You're saying really outrageous things. Yeah. They were looking for signs just like we're looking for signs. Right. But Christ said a wicked generation seeks signs. Mm-hmm. Um, why? Because they're looking for an escape route. Because, you know, there's wickedness everywhere. Right. Right. Now, if you look at this. 
You got to be careful here because people are going to jump in and say, well, yeah, see, we knew the kingdom of God was, was within us, says the Gnostic, says the Buddhist, says the Spiritist, <laughs> right? Right. We always knew the kingdom of God was within us. Now, where's the problem with that one, brother? Where did they go wrong? They associate the kingdom of God being within everybody. Right. Believer and unbeliever. Heathen and Christian, right? Right. That's the problem, mm -hmm. and and that is contrary to Scripture, because God, Christ, clearly said over and over and over again that the kingdom of heaven was for those who believed on Him, right? Exclusively. So the kingdom of heaven is within us. What does that mean? Well, that's the Holy Spirit came down on the day of Pentecost and dwelled the believers, has indwelled every believer since then. And the Holy Spirit, uh, who is the glue that is keeping the church together and the church strong, both visible and invisible church, right? Mm -hmm. Both right. local and universal church. He, hold, he holds all that together. And he's the one that drives the kingdom through believers. So God, God uh, determined the ends and the means. So the end is that the is that the world would be saved. Both Jew and Gentile would be saved. Not every individual. That's not what that means but both Jew and Gentile, and that the means would be the work of the Holy Spirit through believers who would go out and preach the gospel. Mm. Amen. And so he, he, he ordained both the end and the means. Right. And so the kingdom of God is, uh, is within believers. Mm. And so, and so that's, Looking for a future kingdom, I don't believe in that eschatology. Mm. I believe that, I believe that that hurts the church because we stop. If we think that we're in the end times, because we're associating current events with Bible prophecy, um, then what incentive is there to build the kingdom for three or four generations out? Why would we be thinking about our grandchildren or great grandchildren if we believe that um, they're not going to be around mm. to see the kingdom because we will have already been taken out of out of, you know raptured out or whatever whatever they want to say would have happened? But right, oh, there's no incentive there. Mm -mm. Then a lot of questions would be raised. Why should I have children then? Right. Right. It's going to end, you know, on this date, this month, that year, you know, that's when, but, you know, that's just, again, looking at it and it, and it seems more like a temporal thing, really. Uh, um, when we have that's view looking into its still future, mm -hmm. you know, and not only that, just looking at the context here, you know, when you explain that, when he made that statement, the believers that were already trusting, putting their faith and trust, repenting for the faith, putting their faith and trust in the Lord and, and Jesus, 
I mean, they were like, yes, that's what, yes, that's what we're expecting. That's what we're looking for. That's why the Pharisees were, were blind to this because they had no clue, no idea. They were still stuck with the old uh, 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 shakeable tradition that making the statement was so far off what their thought process is that, you know, they couldn't, they couldn't see past, uh, you know, the, the physical things, uh, spiritual kingdom. Like, what are you talking about? Within, yeah. you know, oh, then we're all going to be part of this. We're still waiting for it. When it's like the ones that are true believers, they, I mean, when he said those words, they knew because they're the ones that put their faith and trust. They believe and they repented. And and they became, became members of the kingdom. Yeah. No, absolutely. And, uh, so, so the, the unfortunate thing is that the vast majority of Christendom today is missing the kingdom mm. while, they're, while they're living in the midst of it. Let me ask you a quick question. I'm going to pause right there. As you have gotten more and more into the study of eschatology, last days, yeah. Do you are you coming to a point where you're kind of going, you know what, eschatology is starting to matter a lot more than we thought we did when we first experienced our paradigm shift? It, it matters a tremendous amount because it's a worldview. Mm-hmm. For one, uh, and, and this is one of the reasons why it matters is because it does affect how we view the kingdom, how mm-hmm. we view our work as far as uh, serving Christ in, in the, the Great Commission, mm-hmm. uh, serving Christ in the church. How, how we view the church is affected by eschatology. You know, I mean, everything about what we do, there's, there's an element of eschatology that touches that. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I believe it is extremely important. And, and there's no, there's so many different views. You know, there's the historic view, there's the idealist view, there's the, the futurist view, the preterist view. There's a post mill, on mill, pre mill. There's you know, pre trib, mid trib, post trib. I mean, there's so many different elements and views of eschatology alive today. Of course, the most popular is the futurist. Uh, dispensational premillennial. Mm-hmm. I, I believe that I don't. It, it's getting another little bit of a boost because of all of this stuff going on with Klaus Schwab. Some people are pointing toward him as maybe being the Antichrist and all of that. Right. Um, uh, and so that's it's getting a boost again. And it and it you know it'll the balloon will get inflated, and then uh, God will shoot a hole through the balloon and it'll deflate it, and it'll come right back down again. Uh, And that's going to come crashing down. It won't be true. And then people are going to go into searching mode again to try to figure out what what went wrong. Right. Why didn't things go? It looks so perfect, you know, because they're getting rid rid of cash and AI and the banks and all of this. It it matched up so well. And then it all thing just came crashing down and it just was nothing, (laughs) you know? Right. And and it's, it's at that point when the people like you and me and others, are going to come along and say, well, this is why it didn't work. Mm-hmm. And this is what happened. Right. You know, we're not going to get a whole lot of play right now on this. Right. But I believe in years to come, we will. Because once the disappointment hits once again, and the whole thing crashes once again, and the whole dispensational premillennial theme just completely crashes and burns once again, uh, because remember, I'm looking at the long view. Mm-hmm. 
we can come along and say, well, all that was is God was shaking the nations to shake out the driftwood. Mm, I like that. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, and, no, and for sure. Made, yeah. And you know what, brother? You make a great point because, mm-hmm. you know, when it comes to us sharing our our precision within mm-hmm. eschatology, it's at this point, you know, obviously the fact that, you know, it, it makes way more sense when you study scripture in its proper hermeneutical context, historical context, and which I believe it, it changes your spirit to be more patient with people when you're either discussing your precision or you're even, you know, making a presentation about it or even, you know, uh, um, uh, talking to someone about it. I feel more peace about it and I feel more patient because I'm understanding, you know, the other side. We've been there. We understand that side, which when I when I was more of the futuristic then. Uh, dispensational. I was more dogmatic. I was like, no, this is what it is. And look, it makes perfect sense. And at a quick glance and quick overview of scripture, you know, looking it through the eyes of a future, a future, right. it makes complete right. sense. Everything that's happening now. Right. Right. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, you can make a strong case right now. It's but a it's very not, strong case. But it's not going to pan out. Exactly. To, yeah. to, you know, and, and you and look at the other that. side when we you know, study through the historical context and, Mm -hmm. you know, you got Josephus writing about things and then you kind of look back, wait a minute. And therein lies the problem, isn't Uh it? We have have the historical records of eyewitnesses of the Olivet Discourse being fulfilled Mm -hmm. first century. I mean, it's simple. Um, Christ even said it would occur there in the time of, of the life of the apostles. And uh, Josephus recorded it. You can find some of it in Tacitus. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you have Eusebius referring to it being first century. Um, and so, and, and the first century Christians understood it. Mm-hmm. They understood that when the Roman army pulled back after three years of siege off of Jerusalem, uh, that they were able to go in, they escaped the city, just as Christ told them, coming off the rooftops of the houses. Who goes on the rooftop of their house today unless they're doing roofing, right? Unless you're right. putting a new roof on, you're not on, on a rooftop. Back then, they were on the rooftops, mm. right? Yep. Right. I mean, this is clearly first century language, and, and history tells us, that exactly what Christ said would happen did happen in the first century. And, you know, of course that, 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 that makes the atheists mad because now they can't make that argument. Mm-hmm. Well, what he said, he said it would be for, it would happen during that generation. It never did. Uh, actually. Yeah, it did. And, um, and then, uh, you know, they, they escaped Jerusalem and then Israel came in and I mean, Rome came in and did exactly what God said. The, the abomination of desolation occurred. Uh-huh. Tore down the Jerusalem, tore down the temple, and Christ. The whole purpose of the Olivet Discourse was the destruction of the temple. Talking about that destruction, right, right. And 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 then you know the disciples asked him when that would happen. And so, um, when you take Scripture for what it is, and stop trying to read into Scripture a false paradigm then you begin to see things from a different viewpoint. Now, brother, when you were a dispensationalist, were you to the point where you believed that anybody who didn't believe in dispensationalism was a heretic? 
Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, a lot of yeah. people are. Yeah. yeah. They I think mean, they don't even think you're a Christian. Forget right. the heretic. So, to, to some degree, it's like you're not even a Christian. Yeah. So people, so there are a lot of pre-mill dispensationalists that would say post-mill is, you're not a Christian if you're post-mill. Oh, absolutely. Well, I mean, look and at. You're not a Christian if you're, if you're all-mill. Right. I mean, look at look at our position, yeah. you know, being the covenant eschatology uh, mm -hmm. um, or, you know, uh, preterist. Right. Uh, we're deemed heretics. We're deemed, you know, false teachers. We're deemed almost, you know, not not Christian. You know, some so in some of the, you know, partial predators, that's how as far as they take it. You know, they, they'll say, no, you're you're, you know, these guys are are heretics. You know, because right. Well, I would, you know, I, I I'm still struggling through. Um, I I I lean heavily toward. I'm pretty much close to everything being yeah. done in right. early in the in first century, mm -hmm. but I still struggle with the the res resurrection. Oh yeah, you know, no, absolutely. I, I, mean, I still struggle with that interpretation. You kind of like this, right? You're like I, I'm, yeah, because, time, and then you kind of think about it again. Go, okay, let me go a little bit back. Hold on, yeah, wait, no, right? No, was I, it, I was it David? Was it David Curtis that asked R.C. Pro why he didn't just go ahead and be full preterist? Yeah, <laughs> David Curtis yeah. said that because yeah. because he said he goes. Everything I read about R.C. Sproul, he keeps saying it's first century, first century, first century. But Sproul wasn't going to go there. And I think his hang-up was the resurrection. Mm -hmm. Because I, frankly, full preterists got to work with that. They got to deal with that because, uh, you know, and the millennium, those two things. Yeah, right. right those two right. things Those two things have not been worked out in full preterism yet, I don't think, to, to a good satisfaction. Yeah, and I, can, I think, Manny, that's why even within, you know, full preterism, you have different positions on that as well. You know, I, I right. tend to lean more towards David Curtis, Don Preston, and what is it, Mike Sullivan, whom all are, you know, they call themselves sovereign, graced, full preterist. Right. You know, right. because, I mean, they hold to, to you know, Calvinism. They hold to, you know, majority of the Reformed uh, right. uh, theology. Right. Right. But when it comes to the resurrection, when it comes to, you know, those things, they, they really get on the actual context of it. And they I like really to work it. Yeah, they, they really work it. But when you look at it mm -hmm. at the whole, it, it, it makes sense to where you, when you look at it from a dispensationalist point of view or even a, a, a you know, a, um, partial preterist. It, it leaves me hanging. It's like, I'm, I, I don't even, I'm not even come close to like, it makes sense. I'm still like, eh. you know, I lean. So that's why I lean more towards that uh, right. because it just makes more sense. I mean, there's times too, when I'm thinking about it, I'm like, wait a minute, but mm -hmm. what if, you know, like the resurrection, you know, right. uh, that was one, one of my hangups for a long time, you know, right. and that's, that, right. that was one where, but I continue studying, continue studying, continue to try to understand Right. And, and yeah. I had to change my mindset from a physical to a spiritual uh -huh. one, because I, that's where a lot of my hangups were. I was still thinking physical in physical a lot of these coming things. Out of the grave, right. Yeah. right, which, right. Is, which, is, which is what the creeds say. That's that's Westminster right. Confession. That's Baptist 16. What is it? 1689. Mm -hmm. um, that's uh, Heidelberg. All the confessions. Right. Uh, have that. And so you you. That, yeah, that's gonna be that's tough yeah. because that's tough to overcome. But the thing is, is that 
Um, um, I don't, you know, <clears throat> I think the debate needs to continue to be um, debated out. Mm -hmm. I, that wasn't said very well, but I, I, we need to continue to debate eschatology yep. and continue to research it and continue to try and find the answers to these questions because to, to call fellow believers, because there are some very, very wonderful, sweet believers that are in full preterism, very, 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 very wonderful, sweet believers in partial preterism, very, very wonderful, sweet believers that are futurist, historicist, idealist, mm -hmm. right? And we need to stop pointing guns at each other, metaphorically speaking, right? That's right. That's right. Uh, we need to love each other as believers. And uh, and and just be willing to listen to each other and debate this out, and point out the scriptures, and then leave it at that. You know. No, absolutely, absolutely. Keep an open mind about it because because it has not been settled by the church. It has not. No, you're right. It has yeah. not been settled. You know, and yeah. we're going to continue to have all the different decisions. You know, until yeah. scripture. You know, the Holy Spirit eliminates scripture. You know, I always right. go back to what R.C. Sproul Jr. once said is like, hey, we're, it's going to be like this until we're in heaven. We look at each other and we go, ah, that's the true, you know, eschatology, because right. we're, right. we'll all be of the same mindset once we're there. Right. You know, right. but, yeah. yeah, but but I think uh, I think we need we can't read our paradigms into the scriptures. I think that's the key. Oh, absolutely. Well, there's a timing statement. We just need to take it as a timing statement. Well, there's an audience relevancy. We need to take it as an audience relevancy. When mm -hmm. there's a historical and grammatical context, we just need to take it as that historical and grammatical context and read it as it is. Because mm -hmm. I don't, I know that the, that the confessions, which I believe are extremely, extremely good. Yeah, uh, right. But they're not infallible. And um, you know what? You make a great point because that's what's been one of the arguments against Gary DeMar. Uh, these guys that are partial preterists, uh, Jeff Durbin, uh, James White. Well, Gary, I read it. I listened to his podcast. Did you he, listen to it? Did you listen to a response to three questions? His responses, yes. And he never he he was very complimentary of many full preterists. Oh, absolutely. And, but he never admit he never came to the point of full preterism himself. No. He did say that he believed in the future right. coming of Christ, uh, but I think he gave an amazing answer. But go ahead, brother. No, I was going to say that's one of the arguments. You know, uh, the the partial preterist side holding to the to the creed so much, and Gary Neumar going, "Wait, yes, but ultimately you don't take it as you know full biblical value because ultimately Scripture still our ultimate authority over all things." And there's right. questions. There's many questions that you can't even answer. So I think that's been, you know, a little bit of the battle back and forth. Yes, the creeds are great. They're amazing. They're, yeah, read them, look to them. Yes. But they're not the final authority. You know, no, not scripture, the, scripture is the final authority. Bounce exactly. That's what, that's yeah. what's infallible. Yeah. And creeds right. are fallible. Right. Exactly. So, yep, I'm with you on that. So, but I believe that I, of course, obviously, both of us don't believe we're in the end times, and both of us believe that the tribulation were first century. Amen. Both of us believe the Antichrist, which we believe was Nero, was first century. Mm -hmm. And we line up on most most of eschatology. You and I do. Oh yeah. Um, uh, 
but um, so that's why we're not buying into all the rhetoric about you know matching up current events with Bible prophecy, bro. I do not panic no. when I see six 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 anymore. <laughs> no, it it was a specific <laughs> man at a specific time. <laughs> Oh um, man. And it, the three sixes, that's a man that thinks he's God. Yeah. And what and who was that? That was all the Caesars. Yep. The Caesars declared themselves to be gods. And the and the issue was that the, the Christians of that day would not uh say that Caesar was God over Jesus, who was a lesser God. Mm-hmm. That was the whole issue. And that was that was six six six. That's what six 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 was. We don't have Klaus Schwab's not running around saying he's a god, although uh, he probably although thinks he's one. <laughs> yeah, although Yuval Noah Harari has come close uh, <laughs> with his AI crap uh, nonsense, but um, mm-hmm. but no, no, not in the way that Caesar did, and especially Nero. And and uh, you know when you line up. The gematria of um, the numbering system in Greek with Nero's name—it's six six six. Yeah, right. So, you know, you you can do it. You can do it in Latin. You can do it in in uh, Greek. It's still going to be Nero. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? and uh, so I mean that's clear. And so, but that that makes people's heads spin when you say that. Oh, absolutely. People can't, they don't know what to do with that. And not only that, you make a great point because you said many Caesars. Also, when you see Antichrist, plural mentioned, it's Mm -hmm. talking about those that rejected Christ. Those that are walking around saying they're Christ or walking around saying there is no Christ or who completely deny Christ. Mm -hmm. They were Antichrist. Right. So they were, they were yeah. definitely. And the scripture says there would be many anti many, right? Yeah, not one. There was one beast, and that was Rome, mm-hmm. right? And and okay, let's 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 go ahead and play the game. Let's let's play <laughs> eschatology, the eschatology game, folks. So you had Rome as the beast. Mm-hmm. Who was the harlot in Revelation? Ooh. Yeah, here it that comes. That would be Jerusalem. That was Israel, wasn't it? Yep. Jerusalem, yeah. Mm-hmm. Why? Because they were, bless the word says, a harlot. They were harloting themselves to the beast. <laughs> they were. Basically. We have no... Well, actually, and it doesn't, isn't it even more explicit that it says, it called it, call it the whore? Right, right. We have no king but Caesar, they cried right. when they went to crucify Christ. Mm-hmm. Christ was, the Messiah was supposed to be their king. Yep. In a spiritual kingdom. You know, and, uh, you know, this is a kingdom that can't. But see, but see brother, at that, at, sorry to cut you off. At that time, mm-hmm. Caesars and Rome seem more like, man, they're bigger, they look stronger physically, right? We're talking physically. So right. to them, it was like, nah, we're with them. Forget this Christ, this Messiah. What is he talking about? He was supposed to destroy the Romans, and he's not doing anything. Like, <laughs> Right, right. Yeah, he was supposed to overthrow Rome. Mm-hmm. That was their false paradigm. Yep. What he did is, is he gave us an everlasting spiritual kingdom. 
And, you know, and when Augustine or Augustine, whichever way you want to say it, um, when he wrote The City of God, he was addressing a similar issue where when Rome broke apart and fell, Christians thought that was devastating because they identified Rome at that time with the church. Mm. Because the church had dominated Rome, you know, for, you know, by the fourth century, the church had dominated Rome. Mm-hmm. And um, so the, the church, essentially, through the means of the gospel and spiritual warfare, completely destroyed pagan Rome. Mm-hmm. Isn't that amazing? That is and, amazing. And then when Rome broke up and, and fell apart, so Christians thought, oh my goodness, this is horrible. This is, you know, the church is going to fall apart. This is the and so Augustine wrote the city of God to explain to the Christians, and that book is really thick, to explain to the Christians that no, just because Rome broke apart doesn't mean the church is going to fall apart. The church is going to continue on. Mm-hmm. God shook the nations, he shook Rome. <laughs> right. And Rome crumbled. But guess what? Couldn't be shaken. The church, God's kingdom, is unshakable. It stands Amen. strong through two thousand years of history. It stood strong, and it's not going anywhere. Nope. No matter how how hard people try to sh- to destroy it, it's been attacked for two thousand years. The Bible, the Word of God, has been attacked for two thousand years, and no attack has been ever been successful against it, and it never will be. That that was a you make a great point, brother, right there because it's true. There there's still here. Church is still here. Still. Right, It'll, it will be here for generations to come. Mm-hmm. Amen. And so we need to stop with this. Oh, we don't need to build anything because we're going to get raptured out. <laughs> you know, even if you believe that, work as if it's not going to happen tomorrow. Yeah. Right. Right. Work to build for your great grandkids and your great great grandkids, because Amen. fifty years ago, sixty years ago, they were staying the same thing. Yep. And we're still here. I remember eighty-eight reasons why the rapture is going to occur in nineteen eighty-eight. Right. Oh yeah. <laughs> I remember when I was uh, by the time I was twelve years old. I began to be aware of this talk of end times. And, you know, I was wondering if I was ever going to grow up to see my adulthood. Mm. I mean, that's how, that's how much people were pressing on it. And, you know, and so why would anybody build for my generation back then? Right. Or for my kids' generations or my grandkids' generation, which I have grandkids now. Nobody ever thought my grandkids would even appear upon the earth because they thought we'd be gone. Mm-hmm. But here we are. My grandkids are here. And one of them is one of my grandkids is going to be an adult next year. And we have, you know, if 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 we take the attitude of we don't need to build anything for them, well, no wonder our society is in a mess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The church stood back and did not fight to, for society, did not fight not only for the gospel, but for a biblical view of um, 
society, a biblical view of government, and all that. How much time we got, brother? Are we getting close? Uh, we're looking good so far. Okay, good. So, um, so and and so it they didn't build, right? And so now our kids and our grandkids are facing a horrible world where you know you got the transgender thing, you got the LGBTQ thing, you've got all this stuff going on. Why? Because the church stood back thinking that Christ was going to come rescue them out. Mm. Okay, it's time to knock that nonsense off and get to work. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Yep. You know, no, and realize that we are in the kingdom, and we need we need to be building the kingdom. Right. You know, and that means a biblical view of government, oh, not, a not a theocracy, but a government that honors Christ. First Corinthians thirteen is clear that when the government does not honor the law of, of Christ, the law of God. When it doesn't honor God's uh, teaching on government in the scriptures, it is in rebellion against God. God is, he rules over nations. He rules over the governments. And governments have a responsibility scripturally to, to do the right thing according to God's, God's law. Um, and so if they don't do that, if, if they are not instruments of righteousness, to punish the evil or the wicked, if, if what they're doing is promoting the wickedness and punishing the good, then they are in violation of God's law. They are in, they are committing cosmic treason against God. And that's why God judges government and brings them down. Mm. That's why that's the reason we're seeing what we're seeing in America today. They are acting in cosmic treason against God, and God is bringing his wrath and his judgment down upon this nation and the government. And he's shaking it, and he's shaking the rats out. Mm. And and we're going to see, brother, I believe, a resurgence of of a biblical view of things in this nation in a few generations. Here's why. Homeschooling during COVID went from 2 million to 6 million. That's a huge, huge increase. And as God, as God shakes the idols in this nation, idols like public school, idols uh, like uh, trusting government, mm -hmm. uh, rather than trusting God, idols like trusting the military to protect us rather than depending upon God to provide protection. There are so many idols we have. Um, he's shaking. Every institution that you see God shaking, uh, it's because we have idolized those institutions. Mm. Yep, We've committed idolatry with them. And uh, we're, we, be, we have become the harlot. God's going to shake the harlot. We need to stop trusting in the FBI, trusting in uh, you know the military, trusting in public school, you know, trusting in a heathenistic system to educate our kids. That's the worst one of all. Mm. Trusting in government as if government is always going to take care of us. That is idolatry. We need to repent of that and put our trust back in the Lord. Back in into Christ, and 
And when we do that, the rats are going to scurry. Because guess what happens? The Christians begin to abandon those institutions. Amen. And if the Christians in this nation abandon those institutions, those institutions are done for. Mm. If Christian, if every, if all the Christians pulled their kids out of Christian out of the public school, public schools would crumble. Oh, absolutely. I mean, they wouldn't have enough students left to, because there is a lot of Christians in this nation. Yeah, no, there is. There they're is just believing. A, they're just believing a bad eschatology. <laughs> Great point. Great point. Uh, Thought I'd throw that one in there. Oh, that that was a nice one. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, That's That's great stuff, brother. No, I mean, it's, I'm glad we got into this subject. I'm glad we're talking about it. I'm glad we went to scripture because, you know, we like to be clear on these things and, and we like to pinpoint you know, not only where we stand, but at the same time, we want to share encouragement. We want to uh, challenge people, encourage them to look to these things. Don't take our word. Go to Hebrews, uh, the scripture we just went through. Look mm-hmm. at 1 Corinthians 13, you know, look at these things and, and understand, first of all, the context, the historical context, and then make the application to today. Very important. And uh, yeah, eschatology matters, brother. Uh, I'm, I'm, the more I'm, I'm, you know, as I'm more not getting into it, I've been into it, but the more I'm thinking about it, it, it really matters. It changes it your, your way of life uh, on the daily, you know, yeah. it's just, man, I'm living for the kingdom, which is here. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, let me work it. Let me continue working. I got to leave a legacy to my children and my children's children, meaning, the gospel, uh, the mm-hmm. word of God, I'm reminding them, pointing them to Christ so that, you know, my son can in turn point, you know, to his kids in Christ. My daughter can point, you know, she has kids to Christ as well. So right. important, brother. Good stuff. Good, good, good stuff. Bro, Amen, before brother. we close out, I just wanted to acknowledge uh, the passing of uh, Dr. Charles Stanley. Yeah, he did. He did. I heard that. Just passed. 1932, obviously, to 2023. Just want to read a little bit about him. It says, few pastors in recent memory have had the reach and impact of Charles F. Stanley. Um, like his contemporaries, J. Vernon McGee and Billy Graham, Stanley found great su- success using radio and television to spread his message. He founded In Touch Ministries, which reports that Stanley's sermons have been translated into 127 languages. And he was the country's longest serving pastor with a continuous weekly broadcast program. Uh, best-selling author of over 70 books. So 10 important events in Charles Stanley's life. I'll go through them real quick. Uh, he was born September 23, 1932 in Dry Fork, Virginia. His father died from Bright's disease on June 18, 1933. Stanley would later describe his childhood years, particularly after his mother remarried in 1942 to an abusive alcoholic, as difficult. However, his mother ensured that he attended church weekly, which provided solace. Mm -hmm. Uh, Two, Stanley accepted uh, Jesus as his savior uh, on June 9, 1944, at a service at a Pentecostal. It's called Pentecostal Holiness Church in Danceville, Virginia. Uh, two years later, he felt the call to preach. Grandfather was a preacher, Pastor George Washington Stanley. 
1956, Stanley graduated with a Bachelor of Arts from University of Richmond, Virginia. Uh, let's see, 1969, Stanley became the associate pastor of First Baptist Church, Atlanta. Uh, he became the church's senior pastor in 1971, a position he would hold for nearly 50 years. 1973, he began giving sermons on the Chapel Hour uh, TV program broadcast to Atlanta in two Atlanta stations. 1977, a Christian Broadcasting Network offered the broadcast the Chapel Hour. Uh, also retitled the program to In Touch Ministries. Let's see, 1984, Stanley served, as the, served the first of two consecutive terms as president of the Southern Baptist Convention. I didn't know he served two. I only knew of one, but wow, that's that's cool. In 1988, Stanley inducted into the National Religious Broadcast Hall of Fame. In 2020, Stanley stepped down as senior pastor of First Baptist Church in Atlanta to focus on In Touch. And number 10, Stanley passed away on April 18, 2023, at 90 years old. I was wondering how old he was. I thought he'd been in his 90s. Yeah. 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 He's one that you probably saw a bit on TV if you woke up really early <laughs> and yeah. were looking for, uh, you know, either a preacher or something. That's so, a good uh, long life. Yeah. 90 years. That's a long That's time, a brother. Long time. That guy gave him a long time to do what he did. Which is yeah, yeah. So he was he was a Bible believer. No, he was he was he's before the yeah. Lord. Obviously, you yeah. know, theologically, you know, we have he was, differences. He was Armenian. Yeah. We're yeah. more Calvinist. Yeah. I understand. Right. Yeah, but yeah, we have a uh, mm -hmm. when it came to the gospel, he was pretty pretty sharp. You know, in the death, burial, yeah. resurrection of Christ, and right. so he's before our, the Creator now. You know, and. Being in the peace and the comfort of our Lord, man, yeah. life, brother. Yep. <laughs> Good well, stuff. You know, you and I both came from Arminian circles before mm -hmm. we, mm -hmm. we we became more reformed and Cal Calvinist in our thinking. Yeah, you know, but yeah, all Good right, stuff, brother. So I wanted to kind of just uh, bring to light the passing, or you know, uh, revere his passing. But other than that, brother, do you have anything else? You can close us out. All right. Sounds good. Um, well, folks, I hope this wasn't too much of a shock. Um, this is a this is good. If you've never heard this before, uh, I would say just go to go to the scriptures and take a fresh look at them uh, in light of this. And uh, because uh, there are a number of different views of eschatology, not just one. And most Christians think there's only one. Uh, the one that they find in their Schofield Reference Bible or Ryrie Study Bible or something of that nature. Uh, but no, there are other views, and, and those views have arguments that are tougher to deal with than what you might realize. And so, <laughs> oh, yeah. so uh, you know, take a look. And, and I would just say this, um, regardless of where you land in eschatology, build the kingdom and, and stop thinking that you know when the Lord's going to come back or anything of that nature. Build the kingdom. Amen. And God will work out the rest. Mm. Just build the kingdom. You know, because you don't know. We might There might be a thousand generations to come. So we need to fight for the nations. 
Amen. For Christ. So anyway, thanks for wa- listening, folks. I was about to say thanks for watching. Thanks I know. But I hate there. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for listening, folks. And uh, remember, keep your mind sharp and your heart pure. We'll, we'll see you next time. And we'll catch you on the flip side. You have been listening to the Vortex Apologetic Podcast. Hey there, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for tuning in to listen to the Vortex Apologetic. It is our prayer that God is glorified and that you are richly blessed by this podcast. We are living in amazing times, and it is a privilege to encourage and strengthen your Christian walk through the use of modern technology. Therefore, remember that you can find us at thevortexapologetic.com, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and all major podcast providers. Just search for The Vortex Apologetic, and there you will find us. Thank you again, and remember, keep your mind sharp and your heart pure. God bless.